this is your welcoming ceremony into the best worst club. It's the club that none of us want to be a part of, with the best kind of people. We are the one in ten, doing our very best at living with endometriosis. Think of this podcast as your space to be understood, uplifted, and plugged into the thriving endo community. This disease is a beast to live with. It's one that crosses into taboo territory, and the road to management is peppered with obstacles. Tune in weekly to be equipped with research-based information and tangible tools to navigate the medical system as a fierce self-advocate. To be moved by other warriors' raw and real stories while contributing to spreading awareness of our realities and to glean helpful life hacks and coping skills from perspectives of people who truly get it. I'm your host and fellow Indo warrior, Mariah Battaglia, better known as the Indo doula on IG. And while I hate that you're part of the club, I hope you'll stay. Make sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of the latest episodes and upcoming guests. This series came together as a direct result of our community on Instagram. When I first put out the call to interview Indo Warriors, I was honestly surprised at the response. I have a small IG account and often think the algorithm works against me, but our community proved to be stronger. Admittedly, the idea for the series wasn't the beginning. In fact, it wasn't until a few interviews in that I realized I am simply orchestrating something our community has been working on for years. I created this space. And you, you stepped in to fill it with your powerfully heartbreaking and needing to be heard realities of living with endometriosis. We are raising awareness of this common disease most have never heard of and calling out the systemic injustices we face. The stories in the It's Not Just a Bad Period series are difficult to listen to, and I want to keep it that way, because they aren't just stories, but the harrowing realities of each warrior that is bravely taking part. Although endometriosis was first identified over 160 years ago, substantial gaps in adequately addressing this disease remains. To pull from an article written by Frontiers in Global Women's Health, The National Institute of Health is the largest source of biomedical research funding globally, allocating 41.7 billion U.S. dollars annually. In 2002, the expected funding allocation for endometriosis is $16 million, 0.03% of the budget. That's approximately $2 per patient per year being allocated compared to diabetes that affects a similar population, which received an estimated allocation of $31.30 per person assigned female at birth, over 1,500 more percent than endometriosis. The total U.S. endometriosis economic burden is estimated to be as high as $78 to $119 billion annually. If endometriosis was funded by the NIH at the same levels as diabetes with respect to the annual economic burden, endometriosis funding would need to increase to 298.8 to 455.3 million dollars 
rather than the current 16 million. As always, you can check my sources in the show notes and read the article for yourself. While these statistics are hard facts and glean towards the mountain of obstacles we're up against, they are just cold, soulless numbers. Don't get me wrong, like I said, they point to part of the problem, but they in no way begin to scrape the surface of what it's actually like to live with endometriosis in a system that has chosen not to progress the treatment of a century-old disease. And it becomes blatantly obvious that a huge reason we suffer on average 7 to 10 years before even receiving a diagnosis is because of the lack of funding. But there's also another huge reason, and I'm honestly not sure which one is more sinister. I would say the second is more of a direct trauma to us warriors, and that is the medical gaslighting we endure even beyond diagnosis. Medical gaslighting happens when a healthcare professional, like a doctor, downplays or dismisses what a patient is telling them. This can manipulate the patient into thinking they are exaggerating their own symptoms, or worse, imagining them all together. Experts define trauma as the experience of being left alone with one's pain. Endometriosis isn't different. Having to constantly explain our pain to medical doctors, family, friends, and still not being believed is an isolating and traumatizing experience. What infuriates me even more is the ineffective and often damaging treatments passed off to us with false promises and not enough informed consent. Research shows ablation is one of those ineffective and damaging treatments for endometriosis, yet is still being offered and in some cases being presented to patients as if it is equal to excision surgery. Drugs like Lupron, Orlissa, and hormonal birth control being prescribed like a first defense when the research shows these medications do not treat or suppress the growth of endometriosis, but rather, for some, can help manage certain symptoms. However, warriors that choose not to partake in these Band-Aid management options get treated like they've done something wrong. I personally was asked by a doctor, well, what do you want me to do then? When I told him that birth control made my depression and suicidal ideation worse. It's these traumas, these medical injustices I was referring to that feel absolutely sinister. I wish I could say these circumstances only exist for a few unlucky warriors, but that's not true. This is the typical experience of an endometriosis warrior, and it's time the world hears it. The stories you are about to hear are the personal experiences of each individual, and the views expressed by the guests are their own. Please listen with discretion as this series contains mature content that could possibly be triggering to some individuals. Mention of depression, suicidal ideation, medical trauma, sexual assault, disordered eating, and other sensitive topics may come up. This is It's Not Just a Bad Period series.
Today's episode is brought to you by Asteria Soul Creations. It is a business owned by a couple, Caitlin and Tim, who were looking for a creative outlet that they could be passionate about, plants and wood. Their most popular items are propagation stations made out of various exotic hardwoods, but they also make cutting boards, charcuterie boards, and trays. All of the wood is ethically sourced and turned into a beautiful, one-of-a-kind piece of decor for your home. They also do custom orders, and you can check them out on Etsy. Their link is in the show notes. Thank you so much, Asteria Soul Creations, for sponsoring today's episode and for believing in the podcast. Hi, Jordan. Are you there? Yes. How are you? I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. This is going to be really fun. Yes, it is. Thank you for using your spoons to do. I know it's a lot for us to get together. You know, there's a lot that goes into this that um, not everyone realizes. So I appreciate you spending your energy here. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's yeah, just uh, I actually have the same portable heating pad as you that I just saw on your on your Instagram story. Um, But I'm just chilling on my couch. So it's like it's the easiest that it could be kind of entirely I when I edit my photos I fit, sit at a desk and I don't even have to do that so we're good hey that's awesome pad <laughs> on now too <laughs> essentials essentials exactly so would you like to introduce yourself to the best worst club and yes about you Sure. Um, so my name is Jordan Murphy. Um, I live in Boulder, Colorado. I was born and raised here, actually. Um, right now, my partner and I, um, I've been with my partner. I say partner because he's much more than my boyfriend. And we've been together for almost a decade. Um, we, we met each other in art school. Um, I am a photographer by trade um, and by passion. I love art, everything art, all things art. Um, and I try to take everything that I go through and either express it in art or try to, um, work my way through my emotions, even just through my art is one of my favorite things to do. So. I love that. I can definitely relate to that for sure. Um, that's really awesome. So how about you tell us a little bit about your endo journey and I definitely want to hear about like how your endo journey maybe affected your journey as an entrepreneur and a photographer? Totally. Yes. Um, Well, so my endo journey in general started um, when I was about 21 or 22. Um, And I'm one of those cases that really um, did not immediately start with having really, really bad periods, like all the way through high school, my periods were pretty normal. Um, and then I started having really, really bad digestive issues. And that is the thing that um, kind of sent me to the doctor in the first place. Um, my bowel movements would just be either really painful or they would make me incredibly nauseous um, or they would send me into kind of like a parasympathetic like panic state. My, um, I would just get really hot and sweaty and like um, nauseated and panicked. And it was just like, what the hell is going on? I have no idea what's happening here. So of course, I started at like a gastroenterologist and they're like, oh, well, you have IBS. So that was like the first like bullshit diagnosis, right? Can I swear? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> cool. So it's like the first like, of course, bullshit <laughs> diagnosis that didn't actually, it's not even a real thing, right? It's just like an umbrella of symptoms. 
Um, so, uh, IBS are like, oh yeah, why don't you like cut this, this and that out of your diet and start eating just like white bread and plain chicken and no spices, you know, just like bland everything out to try to make everything a little bit easier to digest. Um, of course that didn't work. So, um, moved on, uh, basically to, uh, oh, well maybe you can talk to like a, a gynecologist about getting on some birth control. So go to a gynecologist. They're like, yeah, I don't really know if this is related, but we can get you on some birth control. Cause I was starting to be a little more sexually active. So it's like, cool. Um, got on birth control. And then for the next few years, it was literally just bouncing back and forth between the gastroenterologist and the gynecologist just saying, I don't know what's going on. Well, I don't know what's going on. Um, and so I had like, uh, uh, all the different kinds of scopes that you can have from a gastro, like the, um, sigmoid flex scope first, which was fucking hell. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever been through one of those, but they are horrid. Um, they keep you awake. They barely sedate you. They don't give you any sort of like local anesthetic for your actual, um, intestines, but they go like almost three feet inside of you. Um, it was terrible. It was so terrible. <laughs> like it was one of the, like, that was probably my first instance of medical trauma, honestly. Um, and then of course didn't find anything unusual. Uh, then I had like an endoscopy and a full colonoscopy. They're like, nope, nope, nope. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Um, and I even remember, um, not being able to, give them a urine sample for my colonoscopy because I was in so much pain. Um, and I hadn't had anything to eat all day long, you know, cause you like can't, when you're going under an anesthesia, it was like four in the afternoon and I was so upset. I was so angry. They waited like another two hours to try to get me to pee until I said, no, 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 I, I, I can't pee right now. It's not a possibility for my body. Let me, cause they were just trying to get the test to make sure I wasn't pregnant to give me anesthesia. So I had to sign a waiver that was like, no, I'm not pregnant. And my dad even had to come in and sign a waiver that was like, no, I believe her that she's not pregnant. Like give her this, this test and let us go home. So did that, went home. And that was kind of my first indication that it was more than just my bowels. And it was like kind of bladder stuff going on too. So I got referred to a pelvic pain specialist who still did never brought up the word endometriosis. This is probably like five years into like my journey of trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, this pelvic pain specialist um, put me on gabapentin, which did help with kind of my nerve pain a little bit because um, I had really, really intense sacral neuropathy, um, which is what we found out kind of later on. But uh, I got sent to a pelvic floor physical therapist through this um, pain specialist. And thank God for her. She was one of my first um, real advocates that um, listened to me and understood what I was going through on a weekly basis because I would go see her every week and explain what was going on. Um, and she was the first person who like truly took my puzzle and like took it seriously and wanted to figure out what the hell was going on and was like really invested in like, no, okay, this isn't IBS. No, this isn't just your pelvic floor. And then we got to the point of like, yeah, like sometimes my panties like hurt when I wear them. Like sometimes clothing just hurts. Mm -hmm. And she went, hmm, okay, well, have you ever heard of endometriosis? And I went, yeah, I've, I've heard of it before, but I didn't think this had anything. And as soon as I do, started doing research on my own, I was like, oh my God, yes, 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 yes. You know, it just like checked off all of the things that just made so much sense. And because I'd been going through it for so long, my pain and my 
menstrual cycles were kind of starting to align in terms of it being a lot worse right before my periods and ovulation. Um, I was like throwing up to the point where I'd have to go to the emergency room and um, I got admitted to the hospital a couple times and they're telling me, oh, it's it's the fact that you smoke weed. And I'm like, no, weed's the only thing that actually fucking helps me. Like, Don't tell me not to use the one medicine that actually works for me um, because I, anything that's like opioids or narcotics, just they do not agree with my body. Um, I get sick and I hate them. So um, eventually in 2017, I was able to convince this pelvic pain specialist that I needed to be seen by an endometriosis specialist. So she sent me to what she called a specialist, but what I would never consider a specialist now looking back. Um, yeah. <laughs> like damn it <laughs> but he did um do a lap and he did some excision who knows how much really um but he did diagnose me with stage four already at that point um and it was all over my um my rectum my pouch of douglas the back of my uterus and my bladder um so just at that point like he like he took out as much as he could with his expertise but um, he was trying to convince me to do Lupron while I was under. He's like, oh yeah, it's just, it's just like a normal, like run of them. This is what I do with most of the women who I perform endometriosis surgery on. I just give them this shot while they're under and we just continue with Lupron treatment. Oh my God. And I, yeah. And I felt really uncomfortable about it. And I ended up going home and doing my own research on it, of course. Um, and this doctor, he was an older man, um, an older, like Eastern European man. Um, and he, <clears throat> excuse me, he actually told me in one of our first visits um, that we were talking about endo and me like get like him actually confirming, oh yeah, this does sound like endo. He told me it was um, retrograde menstruation. <sighs> so <laughs> like mm, took my time you know, do my own research and then finally look back like, oh shit, he was not at all anyone I should have been seeing. So uh -huh. after, after that, after his surgery didn't help me get out of pain, it just made things worse. He again, tried to push Lupron. Um, and dude, I did, I, I signed up for it, Mariah. I was like, okay, fuck. Like if this is the only thing that is going to fucking help me, like, okay, I'll do it. Like I'm willing to do anything to get out of this crisis that I'm in. Um, so I said, yes, let's go for it. I made an appointment to come back and get the shot. And when Jess, that's my partner's name, when Jess and I went to the uh, clinic to go get this shot, uh, his medical assistant goes, oh, I don't, I don't have anything for you. I never got any, any Lupron for, uh, what, huh? I'm like, that was, he told you, like, while I was sitting there right there, like, so you're going to order this for her. We have her set up for this appointment date to come back, get back in. She goes, it's not my fault. I don't, it's not my fault. I don't have it. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, this is the universe telling me to, like, <laughs> stop, turn around, reevaluate. This is not what's supposed to be happening right now. Like, it was a very obvious, like, intervention from whatever you want to call it, spirit, God, the universe, the, the, you know, anything. Just, it was like an absolute intervention of, like, no, you're not supposed to do this drug. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I walked out of there like, okay, I'm done with you. I'm, I'm done going to your practice. I'm done listening to anything you have to say. Um, went back to the pelvic pain specialist, asked her to send me to someone different because, you know, she was, uh, an, again, an older female doctor who didn't really believe I had in the first place, but 
I was asking her in, in confidence, like, okay, like who, who else can you send me to? Um, and not really being at the point in my journey where I was ready to go out on my own and just say, no, I'm going to find someone else like who's, who has nothing to do with you. Um, I wanted to, to, I still trusted her. So, um, she sent me to a, um, gynecological oncologist. Mm. She said, that's the only other person that I've ever really sent anyone with endo to is a gynecological oncologist. And I was like, okay, all right, I guess. So I went and I, I think I went to like two appointments with this man and was immediately like, no, 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 no. Um, Cause I, he tried to put me on a basic generic birth control that made me sick. And then he told me, well, I don't, we don't really know what's going on inside. So I, I just need to open you up and see what's going on inside. So he just wanted to do like an experimental surgery on me. Oh, and then like, like open me up laparoscopically just to like see how to treat me. I was like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, so then I pretty much went on like a, a Western medical strike for a couple of years and was like, no, I'm not listening to any, you know, old, older male like uh, surgeon right now. I want to, so I went to um, herbalists and um, internalists and acupuncture became one of my huge tools that I still use today that I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, but I live in a place in Boulder, um, in this area, like there's so much holistic medicine. Um, so I was really, really fortunate to be where I am in terms of being able to have access to that kind of stuff, um, a lot easier. So I have like a very large regimen of supplements that I've been taking for years and years that really help my body just like stay on top of it. Um, when I don't have, you know, even just like a section of them or yeah, one of them, my body immediately can tell like, oh, you're, you're missing your, your fish oil, like get that shit back in your system. So um, yeah, I, then in 2019, I did my own research um, and found Nancy's Nook, um, like the, the list of surgeons. I didn't really go deep into the Nook itself because I heard just so many silly um, kind of uh, dramatic things about it that I wanted nothing to do with. So I got access to the list and found that there was really only one in Colorado um, and uh, at the time. So got onto his list to be seen. I think it took me almost six months to be seen by him for the first time because he was and is still so fucking busy. Um, his name is Dr. Brian Nelson. If anyone in Colorado is um, listening to this and you have not heard of Dr. Brian Nelson, he is absolutely the one to go have a consult with. Um, he's the kind of doctor who you start talking and he immediately validates everything you're saying and immediately makes you feel like you're not a crazy person for how you've been feeling and that your loved ones aren't, you know, um, completely in the in the rut of not having anything to do because he immediately gives solutions and um, he, he was a godsend uh, for me and a really large group of my friends. So also in 2018, 2019 is when I discovered like Instagram about endo. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I had had Instagram for quite a few years, but it wasn't something that I necessarily used in that kind of a vein. Um, and then I decided to just switch my personal account kind of to an endo account because I was so alone I was so alone like you you know how it is and I'm sure a lot of most of the women most of the people listening right now like understand how alone you can feel when you don't know who to turn to and you don't even know what's going on with your body so meeting this group of women who not only are in Colorado but all over the country who I've been really close friends with now for god almost four years um uh 
changed my ability to cope, I think. Mm. Um, like finding a tribe of women who understand on a completely different level. Like my, my, my partner's hugely empathetic. My mother understands what, you know, what happens because she sees it happen, but no one really gets it until you get it. Right. Um, so finding that group of people was incredible, incredible to my healing journey. Um, and anyone who is listening who hasn't really found a tribe that they feel like that they can go to um, in that kind of a very specific way who understand this disease, these diseases, um, and can support in a very, very different fashion, I really encourage you to um, you know, make an entirely different uh, Instagram profile if you want that is literally just about you and your chronic illness and what you deal with. Um, and uh, other people hopefully will reach out in kind and you'll be surprised at how many people are doing the literal exact same, trying to just find people to understand. Um, so that's a really big piece of advice that I wanted to hit on here is uh, you're not alone and you can find your tribe um, even halfway across the world because of the internet right now you know, so it was a blessing for me to be able to find that, um, and to have my surgery in 2019. So my excision surgery absolutely changed my trajectory. Um, I like to say that before my excision, I was like attached to a heating pad umbilical cord. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, I had to be, I could, I could spend 20, 30 minutes without, um, you know, being, being on it or having, you know, like a really intense, like tiger bomb or something on my back, um, or being heavily medicated, um, that I was, I wasn't even able to function. I was barely able to go to the bathroom. I was barely able to shower. I was barely able to take a walk around the fucking block. Like it was, it was dismal. I was not, not living a life. So I really credit Dr. Nelson with like giving me back my quality of life and my ability to um, be a person again. Um, so after my, my excision was intense, um, because my, uh, endo was so, uh, widespread. And also, um, I have what's called DIE. So deep inventive, deep invasive endo. Um, so he actually had to remove parts of my bladder and my rectum because that's where all of my DIE is kind of located. And it's kind of the sort of thing where, you know, endo will most of the time kind of rear its ugly head or come back in some form. Um, and DIE is one of those things that, like he said, I got as much as I could out, but it's kind of always going to be there. Um, so uh, it took like a year for me to kind of recover from that surgery in terms of being able to like mark my new baseline of where my new normal was. Um, and it was a completely new world. I, I was able to um, go out and get a really awesome job. Um, I mean, I, I had been a wedding photographer after I graduated from um, college uh, for about two years. And that was incredibly hard on my body because it was like 12 hours on my feet and 
um, and then huge, huge stress editing thousands of photos. Um, so I had to very quickly realize that that wasn't necessarily where I needed to be. So um, after taking some time off working completely when I was um, in a really bad way and then slowly getting back into photography in 2020 and 2021, um, I found a new kind of space that's a lot more comfortable for my body to be in and that's really, really cool to, um, to share with people and to explore in terms of um, fine art and um, just like portrait portraiture photography. Wow, that is absolutely incredible. I felt like it's like I know you can't see me when we're recording, but I was like nodding my head like so many times as I was like, yeah, yes, yes, like that happened to me. Same, aha. Uh -huh. Yep. And um, first off, like thank you so much for being so open and honest. I think that like that's something that I really hope happens in this podcast and with bringing on warriors is that we can be like really real with our realities because I truly believe that that's one of the only ways that we're going to get enough attention onto this disease to actually yes. make forward progress. Like people need to understand that this isn't just like, oh, my tummy hurts. Like this shit is fucking life-changing, has literally ripped people's ability to function completely away. Mm -hmm. So I just like, thank you so much for being honest about that. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to find an excision surgeon. I'm so glad that you had heard of the toxicity in Nancy's nook before you <laughs> dove into that. Cause I have my, I feel like we could do a whole like podcast episode on Nancy's nook. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm glad that you knew about that ahead of time. And then it's so awesome that you have a partner that's like stuck with you through all of this. And, um, that is definitely something that is, it's so hard on a relationship. And I, it is it's massive. It's so hard. Like, especially if you were together, like pre endo, like, yep. endo has probably always been in our life, but like before the symptoms were really part of our daily experience, I feel like yes. it's so hard for your partner to watch you just crumble and change yeah. much. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we started dating when I was 24 and then I didn't get diagnosed until 27. Um, and like in between there, like we had lived with his parents, we had lived on our own in an apartment, we had graduated from college. Like it was um, so much that had gone on in that, yeah, that two year period that was like the make it or break it, <laughs> you know, like if he, um, if he would have been any different of a man, I don't think we would have um, made it through even those two years to diagnosis. Um, but yes, it, it says a lot about his character and his uh, really, really deep compassion and love um, and just our partnership and how um, sometimes it can be incredibly rocky and incredibly difficult. But we both look at this disease as making our, our relationship stronger in the end. Um, it's been really fucking hard and it continues to be hard. Um, I mean, even just fucking yesterday, like I, I was going out to grab some... Um, some dog food and some lunch and on the way to get lunch I just like came down with horrible pain and nausea and had to just sit in my car and like smoke my pen and literally scream and cry like I put my my little window shades like up on either side in the parking lot so I didn't have to worry about anybody looking at me mm -hmm. <laughs> and just like wailed 
until I was able to like calm down enough. And like, I, I have meds now, like a, like some Phenergan and some Zofran um, and even some Ativan if I need it, um, just sort of my emergency meds for like those types of situations. Um, if like a hit of my pen, um, my weed pen is not doing anything that I just have actual pharmaceuticals to help me, but like literally sat in the parking lot and wailed for like 15 minutes until I knew I could go inside and get my food and then drive myself home. Um, uh, but so like, even to this day, I mean, it still affects me, um, not as largely as it did, but, um, it affects both of us, especially yeah. cause we're like getting into the mode of like, are we going to try to have a family soon? And, um, it's a, uh, it's a rough spot to be, but he's an amazing guy to be here with. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So at one point, I want to make a couple of points about what yeah. you- one, I definitely want to drive home the fact that like relationships can stand through endometriosis yes. like, and you deserve to have a partner that is compassionate and there for you like I definitely I, he- I hear so often um people and I've experienced it myself you feel like a burden in your relationship yes. you know you, you it becomes so taxing and you become so dependent on them oftentimes that it does like just change the dynamic so much that you wonder like am I worth this like is this is this okay for them to be doing? And I just want mm-hmm. to state that it absolutely is. And that there are partners out there that are more than willing to do that. And will do that out of compassion and love and empathy. Yes. So, yeah, yes. So- if, some, if someone loves you, they're going to love you through the piss and the shit and the puke and the blood and <laughs> all the bullshit, you know, and that's, uh, and, and it'll make you stronger in the end. And that's how you kind of have to frame it in your mind is we'll get through this together. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. That's so important to know. And especially because like, this doesn't come with like a handbook and it doesn't happen in a short time period. Like, exactly. You know, you were talking about years have go- going by and the average between getting like first symptoms and getting diagnosis seven to 10 years. That is so long of like just so many questions and living through this and not actually knowing what is going on that I think that self puts a stress on relationships because you're both like, basically you're like shooting arrows in the dark because you don't. Yeah. You're in like, you're in a limbo of like, where do we go? What do we do? We're trying this. We're trying that. And like, you're both just, yeah, exactly. Grasping at straws, trying to just claw your way out as hard as you can. Yeah, exactly. And it's just so difficult. And I think that obviously we, you touched on how, um, once you like tapped into the community on online, like, especially on Instagram and you started reading stories how you saw the similarities and you're like just that it is so so huge just knowing that you're not alone you're not crazy there are other people in such similar similar situations and I think like even talking about those parts of our life because endo affects every single aspect of our life so talking about the relationships talking about how we manage work talking about how we manage our family relationships because I know like there have been family members that have literally just thought it was all in my head. You Mm -hmm. know, I still think that there are family members that are like, yeah, I know she has that, but there is no way it's as bad as she makes it seem. Exactly. Exactly. Or the family members who see how bad it is and are really even afraid to touch you. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like I I have cousins who, you know, bless their hearts. They're amazing people, but they don't even ask me like, 
really how I am mm-hmm. because they, it's like they don't want to know. They don't want to know how how difficult it can be. And it's like, but but this is the real world, honey. Like <laughs> this is this is. I'm sorry that I don't live in a white picket fence and have two and a half children and three and a half jobs and you know like all of this stuff that, that cute white average Americans have. Right. But you right. need to know that that's not the way I live. Yes, yes, exactly. And like, it is uncomfortable and it should make you uncomfortable and it yep. should make you even more uncomfortable that we're stuck in a medical system that really doesn't give a shit about us. Yeah, it should make you fucking angry to make everyone around us pissed off that we are not being cared for as we should. I mean, it's it's insane. I remember one year it clicked with my dad and my dad went, Jordan, what? why isn't there any research? What, what, where is all of the money going? Where is all of this research? Why isn't this happening? Why don't we know more? Why don't we know, have more tools? Why aren't there more treatments? And I went, dad, I don't know. You're, you're asking the wrong person, but I'm glad you're upset about it too. You know, <laughs> and at least he speaks to his male friends about it too. Like he's, he's become much more open about like, oh, you know, like your daughter's having period problems, check for endo. Like <laughs> he's amazing when it comes to that kind of stuff, but it took a while and it can take family members a while to get there. And you have to be maybe patient with, you know, they have their own shit going on, but those who care will absolutely be there in a second. Yeah. When they're needed, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Go dad. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. He's the coolest. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I think that's a good point too. Um, It was really hard for me to understand that my family members, especially, you know, my husband and my mom, like those closest to me actually have their own relationship with endometriosis. Like they don't physically have it. They have their own grief process, emotions, like. Absolutely. And I, for, it was really hard for me to understand that and kind of make space for that too because it was like Mm -hmm. happening to me and I am literally just trying to keep my head above water yeah and and so I think like that's a really good point to make is like to remember that that they have their own issues and have to deal with their own feelings sometimes before they can even be ready to support you absolutely conversations should still be had and be brought up and that uncomfortableness uncomfortable feelings need to be had and like not squished away because this is our reality and exactly really you can't know an endo warrior without knowing that on a daily basis they have to push really hard to do very normal things exactly yeah like a really big part of like the spoon theory is something that I've kind of like pointed out to a few different friends and uh, relatives to kind of like help them understand like, no, I'm like really low on my, my spoons today. Like I just, I just don't have that much, you know, energy to give at at this point in time. Tomorrow might be different, but right now I'm just a little low, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So that's something that's like uh, been a nice kind of, I will just go, go look up what the spoon theory means and you better understand what I mean when I say, I don't really have the gumption to go do this today, but can we try tomorrow? Um, But uh, also one thing I wanted to point out as well is um, my partner, um, he had a really hard time. He's, he's such a feeler. He's so empathetic um, that it took him 
it took him a while to be able to um, kind of build up his own defenses against like, just, I mean, just listening to me, like, writhe on the floor and cry in pain or be in the bathtub or in the shower and, you know, throwing up or just, just to even be around me in that kind of a crisis was really, really hard for him personally. Um, so what he actually went out on his own and decided to do was talk to his mental health professional. He went back to a therapist that he trusted um, in his past and said, hey, this is what I'm dealing with right now. And and I could really use some advice on how to better not only care for my partner, but care for myself in turn and to not pour from an empty cup and to um, to like protect myself against feeling um, completely helpless in this situation, because that's also something that I've heard from every one of my close family members. It's just how incredibly helpless they feel when I'm in bad situations. Um, there's only so much that can be done even by me um, and by them. So it's tough, but um, those who are there will make anything they want to make happen to, to help you out. So um, yeah, he just made the step to go help himself better cope with all of this. Um, and so that's also something that I, I, I wouldn't say push on people, but it's always out there. Um, because like you said, everybody else has their own relationship with endo too. It's um, a really difficult thing for not only um, warriors and survivors to have, but for their families to also help continue to help being able to be there for you. Um, there are certain people that were in my life, you know, five, six years ago that are no longer in my life, partly because of endo, um, because they just don't have the capacity sometimes. Um, there are some people who just don't have the capacity to be that kind of a, a carer or um, to understand that need for flexibility. Mm -hmm. So, but, yeah. you know, you, you lose some people along the way, but, but better people come and fill their places. That's what I'll say. Absolutely. I agree with that. And that's amazing. I'm definitely a big advocate for therapy. I think it can help at any time and every time I do think, you know, you have to find the right therapist, but I am such a big advocate for that. This like in any circumstance, but especially with endo, this is such a beast of a disease and truly does change so many facets of your life and your partner's life. That mm -hmm. I think any way that like you have to build a toolbox of coping skills and therapy is just a great, great coping skill to have it really is it really is I've I've had therapists in the past that have been like wow like you're you're actually like pretty damn good at, at coping I guess because because I've been trying to do it on my own for <laughs> too fucking long probably right. <laughs> but thanks <laughs> exactly Okay, so I also would like to talk a little bit. You gave me a little bit of background, like in when we were doing um, um, show prep about mm -hmm. your photography business and your desire and your like artistic view of how photography can help with body image, especially in like the Indo community. And that was mm -hmm. something I really thought was just super incredible. And I would definitely like for you to share more about? Yeah, so I can totally elaborate on that a little bit. So I, um, in 2020, when I decided I really wanted to get back into work, um, I was looking for just 
like some part-time uh, something. I was, you know, looking for museum positions, gallery positions, anything having to do with photography or art. Um, came across a listing that was very much based on women empowerment, female, um, female camaraderie, um, and about boudoir photography and how um, the practice of boudoir photography, especially when done in a feminine space for feminine people, um, uh, it has, or in a, you know, by, in like a, a, an LGBTQ, like space for LGBTQ communities, mm -hmm. um, uh, that it can have an amazing impact on, um, how we view ourselves. Um, it's really as simple, uh, as for some people, just like seeing yourself from someone else's perspective. Um, it can, it can give you a whole different view of like, oh, well, I always kind of thought like my, my butt was sort of like flat and like kind of like bumpy and like there's not that like, like, like damn like my ass looks great in that photo and <laughs> just even that simple of like a turnaround for some women um for some people is like really really cool to watch um but it can also go as deep as um I've worked with women who have been um coming from a, a place of trauma coming from a place of um physical abuse mental abuse sexual abuse um eating disorders uh just a lot more and a lot more of an intensively difficult relationship with their own bodies um, in many different ways, in any way. Um, and using um, just really simple tools of, you know, finding something that you feel sexy in, finding something that you feel comfortable in, or that you really want to like step out beside the box and like, no, I want to, I want to wear this amazing set of lingerie and I'm going to rock it. You know, I've had, I've had women sh shoot, from in anything from like a lip like a off the shoulder sweater and, or like some jeans and a, and a bra to nothing <laughs> you know I've had women come in and say I don't have any outfits I just want to shoot me and I'm like yeah girl let's do it um <laughs> but um I've worked with along the way um uh, doing self-portraiture um has been a really big thing for my own development of like for me, it was like healing my sexuality. Um, mm. Endometriosis took away a lot of my like sexual confidence for a few years. Um, it makes your relationship with sex really difficult. Um, and so kind of reframing my relationship with my body in not only that um, I'm very, very proud of it. I'm, 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 you know, cheering her on. She's like always bringing me through shit. She's fucking strong as hell. Like go girl, go. But also like, wow, you can be soft and sensual and, and powerful and, um, you know, really like have like sexual energy, even though this disease has taken away a little bit of your ability to express it in the past, say, um, so for me, like I dove into a little bit more self-portraiture practice and um, realized that it's, it's a really cool tool um, for spoonies. Um, anyone who's dealing with um, a, a difficult relationship with their body on a daily basis, um, who has, you know, it, it, who, it can say like, let you down every now and then, or it, you have to medicate it a certain way to make you feel okay and be able to function or, 
Um, say you just, you know, don't really like your belly or <laughs> simple as that. Like, I just have a problem with like my, my boobs. Like they're just not as great as I, as I'd like them to be, but like my, my partner likes my boobs. So like, let's get some great pictures of them. And then through that process of helping them feel more comfortable with their own body and like making the experience itself, something that is fun and positive and is filled with words like powerful and, um, you know, look at your beauty and look at your uh, grace and your, you know, it's not about, oh, show me your ass. Oh, give me your tits. Like it's, it's no, no, no. I, I want, I want shoulders back. I want proud, beautiful shoulders. Give me your chin up and like a beautiful outward face. Um, uh, it's, it's about exploring your ability to feel home mm. in your own home like, God. that's what it's like for me is is that I'm like helping people like feel comfortable in their homes wow that's incredible like talk about how powerful that is like you said a for a spoonie yes yes and I've I'd have before I even really like conceptualized a lot of this, I shot with a couple of Spoonies with the the company that I was previously with. And, um, and a couple of them said really like point blank. Oh yeah. Like I, I try to shoot a boudoir shoot for myself every year because it just makes me feel great. It makes me feel powerful. It makes me feel sexy. It makes me feel like even though I'm growing and I'm getting older, I'm, I still hold my power and I still hold my truth. And, and they're for me. They're not for anyone else. Like, fuck everyone else. This is for me. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of the people that I um, am looking to, um, like, really work with in terms of having, like, dream clientele. Um, those kinds of people are like, yes, come see me. Um, so I am putting together a studio in our spare bedroom here. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all coming together. It's all, it's all happening. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. That's incredible. So needed, so powerful. I think you are just gonna like, you're just gonna hit the ground running and it's gonna be amazing. And also whenever the day comes that I eventually plan in a Indo retreat, like in real life. That would be so fun. Definitely hiring you. <laughs> yes. Come, I can come and document the whole retreat and then we can do like specialty, like little sessions with me. If you want to do like either a portraiture session, boudoir session, that would be fun. That would be so awesome. I just feel like that would fit so perfectly. And yes, Indo retreat was like idea yes. one weekend where you kind of get to escape from Indo and that would just be totally. So- I love yeah. And like, and like, even if you're not necessarily into like doing a boudoir shoot, I do a lot of like branding shoots and um, headshots, that kind of stuff. Like just something that's like a new cool expression of like who you are and where you're at, like right now today, I think is one of the coolest things to, um, to document. It's like one of the reasons why I'm obsessed with photography is to be able to like literally capture this second right now, where you are, who you are and how you are and be able to memorialize it and look back on it and either um notice the change that's happened or appreciate the um the the things that have stayed the same and the things that have flourished yeah I absolutely love that I love I'm obsessed with storytelling like that was one of the reasons why you know I started this podcast and really wanted to bring warriors on to just tell our stories and I think that photography is 
such an incredible format for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It really is. Oh, that's so cool. So what's something that you would say, well, I guess something that we just talked about, but what's another that you would say that Indo specifically has like taught you that you brought into your business? Um, oh, uh, flexibility, hands down. Um, you know, uh, yeah, Endo, it, it teaches you in general in your life how to be flexible and how to be prepared for any situation. I feel like all of us kind of have like our tool boxes and tool sets that we kind of bring everywhere with us just in case. And I'm always, I've always been the just in case girl, but now it's like I, I always have a, a kit for myself of what, um, what, what I might need and what might happen. But when it comes to my business, it's something that like I, I, I might have. Um, a goal that I want to accomplish um, that day, but I have to be flexible in terms of making it, um, say, a weekly goal instead of, no, I want to get it done on Tuesday because Tuesday might be a bad day. You know, uh, it, it can be somewhat unpredictable. I could have, you know, not slept well, or it could just be a bad day for no reason that I can think of, or that was no fault of my own whatsoever. So I have to be able to step back, give myself grace, and be able to be flexible and say, no, that's okay. I'm going to rest when my body says rest and I'm going to go when my body says I can go. Um, so that's really the biggest thing I think that has come with um, starting my own business, especially is the necessity, the absolute necessity to be flexible with yourself and graceful with yourself to treat yourself with grace, um, which is always something that uh, I think the end of I'm, I'm on the phone. Um, which is everything that, uh, I'm sorry, my mom just chilled down. Uh, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, we're saying about that, that's something that definitely the Indo community could need is, uh, giving yourself grace and flexibility. Yes. Yeah. And so it, even more so, like if you're thinking about starting your own business, even like a side hustle and Etsy, whatever, um, just giving yourself grace on like deadlines. Like I know that in terms, in, in order to be a successful business owner, you do have to set yourself deadlines. You do have to really like ride yourself on some days and like make sure that you're getting goals accomplished. But that doesn't mean that you can put yourself into like a, a negative, um, you know, flare with it because that can absolutely happen. I've, I've done it so many times when I first started kind of trying to get my business together at the beginning of the year, I was way overdoing it. And I had to step back and really say, okay, I'm going to get all when it gets done, I have to give myself grace. So um, yeah, that's, that's one of my biggest pieces of um, I think starting my business is that you got to be flexible. I'm so glad that was your answer. I needed that. Like that is so <laughs> yes especially with starting this podcast and everything you're getting so much done you're still doing your nanny gig like you're you're running and going and going and going but you gotta listen you gotta listen to your body like she knows she knows more than your head knows yes um right true and it's like again I feel like these are the conversations that I want to be having because they don't exist outside of the chronic illness community I totally so many freaking entrepreneur courses that are just like hustle harder, wake up earlier, go harder. And I'm like, you don't freaking understand. I physically can't do that. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I like, thank you so much for that. I am definitely. Oh, you're welcome. 
I have another friend who um, started, she started uh, getting into her own um, real estate at the beginning of the year. So she like quit her other job. She, uh, she's an, an endo friend that lives in California. She was she, like quit her other go- her job. She's like, no, I want to be a real estate agent. I'm doing it. She took the courses. She took the test. She was like all licensed, good to go. But her and I have talked about since the very beginning, like you can't be so tough on yourself as to say, no, I have to get this done on this day and this done on this day. You, you have to plan things out maybe a little bit more ahead of time. So it's like, no, I have to take like a whole week to maybe get this done yeah. and give myself that time rather than, you know, having strict deadlines of no, 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 this day, this day, this day, this is what I'm doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You have to say, no, I'm going to set, I'm going to make a, a, a list of weekly goals that I'm going to try to check off as many as I possibly can. And any of them that I don't get done, just carry over into the next week. It's not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing. It's literally just organization for me of like, this is what I need to get done this week. And I'm going to get done what I have the capacity to. I love that. I really love the weekly to-do list instead of a daily. Yeah. That's yeah. It that's feels much better. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so good. So this is kind of a um, heavy duty question, but how do you feel that endometriosis has changed the trajectory of your life? Um, boy, I think, I think in some ways I'm exactly where I need to be. Mm. Um, because in some ways endo has like taught me the lessons that needed to be taught. If that makes any sense. Um, it's taught me like how to listen to not only my body, but like those around me in a different way and how to care for my body in a different way, how to care for my mind in a different way. I mean, it, it, it really changes your relationship with everything around you. But when I, when I look back on it and think like, oh, well, what, what, what could have been different if I ne- never would have had this big, you know, detour in the road, um, Maybe I would have, you know, already had like uh, a nice house. Uh, Justin and I are still saving up for our first house. Colorado's freaking insane. Um, so we're living with my parents at the moment in their basement, but so thankful for it. So amazingly um, grateful for having this space. It's been amazing for us, especially during my kind of healing process here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think something that might be different is I might have like might already have kids because we wouldn't have had like the whole five years of intense pain and surgeries to go through. Um, but I don't know. I think that, yeah, it could be different, but I also think I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I, I, I try not to like get on the other side of like being mad at my endo for taking things away from me. I try to look at it as, okay, well, but what has it given me though? You know, it's given me an incredible understanding of how not only the medical system works, but how um, relationships work, how um, my body works, and how the world should work, I think. Um, How to be kind with yourself and kind with others, uh, just in the same way, and have that kind of um, grace and forgiveness for not only yourself, but everybody around you. yeah, I mean, I, yeah, my life could have been a lot more busy and a lot more um, all over the place and traveling a lot more and all that kind of jazz. But um, I wouldn't have the 
I think experience and wisdom that I had uh, that I have now um, if I didn't have endo in my life. So it's a double-edged sword sometimes, but uh, I try to just be thankful for like the people that it's brought into my life too, um, like over social media and um, in general. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a very beautiful answer. I know that was kind of a hard question to even, yeah, yeah, like put into a sentence, but that was a really good, really beautiful answer. I totally, I agree with that. I think that's like one of the reasons why, you know, I called this space in our community, the best worst club, because it's like, none of us want to be here, but we really are some of the best freaking people. Like I've met people that I know will be in my life forever through this community. And exactly. Yeah. And just uh, the support that is here is really unconditional and it seems like it's unending. And uh, that's really, really, really powerful, especially when you're in the midst of a space where, you know, kind of nowhere, no one else really knows what's going on or can truly understand. Yeah. It really creates a really unique kind of bond. Um, but like, you know, some of it could be looked back on in some situations as like a trauma bond if you're both in a really traumatic kind of survival mode situation, which I definitely had happen. Um, but at the same time, it, it brings the people into your life who are going to be the most understanding and are going to be the ones who, like you said, stick around. Um, yeah, definitely made lifelong friends through um, unfortunately having this disease, but also um living through it and helping other people through it and telling my story and trying to share you know as much as I can in terms of like what tools help me and um what (laughs) what I do on a, a daily basis even to like just make myself feel a little bit better um or just simply sharing like nope having a shit day like if you're having a shit day I'm with you um so yeah I think just talking and like you're saying storytelling and sharing with each other is so essential yeah absolutely I think that's how we are going to live through this like actually Mm -hmm. be able to continue to live through it but also yeah you know and to to make our voices heard because there's something very powerful and healing and empowering about being heard especially going through something that like endo where you know you get told over and over like no you're wrong you're crazy it's okay everything's fine this is like you just have IBS yeah it's okay (laughs) me just hurts everyone's tummy hurts (laughs) yeah exactly exactly just stop eating that much fiber it's it's okay just try Metamucil it's all gonna be all right (laughs) just out entire food groups just don't eat them you'll be yeah exactly don't worry about it you really don't need cruciferous vegetables (laughs) (laughs) oh crazy and yet I think there's a lot of power of telling our stories and showing like this is our reality like this is in as crazy and as like unfathomable as your story should be you're not alone like like I said it's like so average it's so exactly what happens to most of us yeah yeah, right. it's it's astronomical when I when I tell it to people who aren't necessarily in the endo community, um, you know, family members or people that I meet who want to hear my story. It's like, wow, like you've you've been through so much, and I I can't believe you had to fight that hard. And I, I think that's it's the same for you know one in ten people with a uterus. 
So just think about that for a second. You know, it's almost as prevalent, if not more prevalent than diabetes. And we know almost nothing about it. So that's something that I, whenever anybody's asking about like my endo story, I throw in there like, hey, (laughs) there's not enough known. Tell people, shout it out. We need more help. Yes. Yes. Thank you for being a part of this and doing exactly that. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you, Mariah. This was really great. So before I have one more question and then I definitely share how everyone can find you, but my one, okay. So my one more question for you is what would you like someone to take away that listened to this episode? Like what is the one little golden nugget? If you could have them like, you know, I want you to remember this, what would it be? Um, that even with this disease, your life can still be fulfilling and beautiful and satisfying and wonderful. Um, it's still possible. You know, this it's it's a really really hard thing to learn how to cope with and to um, to learn how to deal with, but you you do, and because we have no other choice, you figure out how to get through it. You find your tools. You find your people. And um, it is still possible to have something that uh, you feel like you're successful and you're not a burden and you are um, part of the world in a positive and, you know, um, additive way. And um, it's, it's still, still going to be good. You st- you've got this. You've got this. Yeah, and it's and it's it, there is an absolute possibility to have a wonderfully full life, even while living with this disease. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely would like someone who's listening to take away that too, especially the ones that are like in the thick of it and like maybe yes. even fighting to get diagnosed. Like, if you could have told me this is where I would be now in my endo journey, like if you would have Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, five years ago, there's no way. There's no way. I literally could barely even function. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. There is definitely a possibility there. It's, and not only is the possibility there, but you have a community that is more than willing to help you figure out what that looks like for you. Yes. Yes. And hopefully anybody that has, you know, found this podcast has found a little bit of a community, um, you know, on the the web already. But um, I would say, you, you know, sometimes all it takes is one person. Yeah. You know, I I some I I met one woman who was my like partner through us both being in the thick of it in full on survival mode, waiting for surgery, and we got each other through it. Yeah, You know, sometimes it just takes, you know, reaching out to that one person who you're like, hey, like I use that same tool or your story sounds really similar to mine or, hey, I live in the same state as you. Like uh, anything that 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 reach that reaches out to you through um, through social media or anything like that, that makes you want to connect with a person, do it, go for it. You know, especially in this community, you're most likely only going to find people who are like, hey, hi, how's it going? What can I like? How are you today? Oh, you're shitty. Shitty. I was yes, I was really shitty yesterday. Like, I'm really sorry. Have you tried this? You know, and things that actually work rather than like, oh, go go take some some Tylenol like a doctor would tell you. 
I'm like, oh, I know this really specific yoga pose that could be really, really great for releasing that pelvic floor, you know, because I've been to like five pelvic floor physical therapists at this point. So um, yeah, uh, finding even just that one person can really change your world. Yes, yes. I totally agree with that. And, and totally encourage whoever's listening to plug into the community too. Just like Jordan saying, you know, just that one little thing, just pop in a message. I know I've never sent a message to an Indo warrior and have been met with like anything but welcoming vibes and positivity. Like exactly or, me neither. Yeah. Well, it's some form of empathy. I've, maybe I have gotten a message of like, you know, I'm in a really shitty place right now. I can't hold space for you, but I will definitely come back to you. And that's like yes. valid, but I've, it I've, is, it is. And you have to respect that space for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. So with that, and that's really huge of that person to even be able to say something like that. Yeah. You know, like, like, they've got a good head on their shoulders to be able to say, Hey, I'm really sorry, but I don't have the mental space for this right now. You know, here's a couple other people that might have space for you, or I can come to you when I have a little bit more, you know, bandwidth. Yeah, I totally agree. That's actually something that I feel like I learned in the Indo space that that was like, yes. okay to do. yes, it is. It's totally okay to do because we all have so much shit going on, you know, and, and unfortunately there are some of the bigger um, Indo accounts that um, get really overwhelmed by people like basically trauma dumping and just like laying out their full story and not really like asking like, Hey, do you have like the space to like talk about a little bit of medical trauma or like, can we speak about something that might be a little bit intense? Um, so just going into that a little bit more like easily and, and like you would a, a good friend rather than just like a, 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 a medical stranger because we are not medical professionals. We are just people with this disease. Um, so yeah, I, just reaching out in um, small, respectful ways. I think it will always be taken in kind. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So how can people find you on the interwebs? <laughs> so um, I've got uh, a couple of different accounts. Like I said, I've got my endometriosis account and then I have my um, sort of art account. So um, they're both very similar, but they're both going to be um, J and J Studio. So that's the letter J, um, the, <laughs> the word and letter J studio and then it's actually periods instead of spaces if that makes sense so j period a and d period j period studio that is my art and then my endo one is that full name with um period fights period endo at the end so j and j studio fights endo with periods instead of spaces um is where my endo account is um I'm not crazy active um, because I have been um, really doing a lot of um, just in-person shooting and building local clientele here in um, my area. Uh, but I do need to get a lot more on my social media and stuff. So this will help me kind of push to get more out there, um, kind of show off what I've been doing in terms of my portraiture and my boudoir work. Um, oh, and something else I wanted to shout out to is that I have done um, virtual sessions in the past. So if you are not in my area, so not in Northern Colorado, and you still would really like to shoot with me in some form or another, we can do it over um, Zoom. We can do it over FaceTime. That we can figure so it out. Cool. Yeah, it's not like the, the most, you know, highly um, uh, quality images as I would off of my DSLR, of course. 
Um, but if you have a DSLR, I can coach you on how to take your own self-portraits with that, or we can just do it with your cell phone or your computer. Um, so that is something that I've done in the past. If you're interested, please reach out. Um, you can DM either of my accounts and I'll get back to you. I love that. That is so cool. Especially for our community. That is really yeah. cool. So exciting. Yeah. I love it. Totally. Totally. And you can just like do it in your bedroom, in your bathroom, like anywhere that kind of makes you feel comfortable and sexy and that we can kind of find the, um, the setup to be able to do it. Um, we can make it happen. So let me know. Looking forward to hearing from you. That's so cool. I love that. And I will definitely make sure that I put um, both your handles in the show notes so that anyone that wants to go ahead and contact you can scroll down to the bottom and check the show notes to find your links exactly where they are. Perfect. Thank you, Mariah. This was so cool. This was amazing, Jordan. Thank you so, so much. I so appreciate it. I felt like it was a really great conversation. I got a lot out of it. So I definitely feel like our community will too. Good. Yay. Me too. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing more episodes and um, seeing where all this goes. It's pretty exciting. Thank you. Thank you for your support, Jordan. It means Of course, of course. Well, you have a beautiful rest of your day. I hope you have lots of spoons left and that you have a low pain evening. You too, my dear. I know it is later in the in the night there, so I hope you have a good evening. I am just going to go, I think, run one errand and then come home and sit on my computer and edit like um, I do every day. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself, Jordan. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. You too, Mariah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Best Worst Club podcast. If you could do us the biggest favor and help us reach more Indo Warriors, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. And take a selfie of you listening or a screenshot and share it on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next week, Indo Warrior.